So, if you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Ruth. We'll be continuing our study there. uh, Ruth chapter 4, starting in verse 11. I want to review a little bit. Those of us joining us for the first time are forgotten. Ruth started off um, in the time of the judges. Right, this is a time of chaos and confusion and sin and selfishness. And in that time, as part of God's judgment, there was a famine in the house of bread in Bethlehem. So a family, Elimelech, Naomi, and their two sons, Malon and Kilion, they decided to leave the land of Israel and go into the land of Moab, which is traditionally God's enemies, which many people think is a failure to leave God's people for 10 years, right? Imagine not going to church for 10 years. And then death happens, right? Elimelech ended up dying. And then the two sons, Melon and Killian, ended up dying. And Naomi at this time, after these 10 years, hears that the famine has been lifted in Israel. So she decides to go back, but her plan was to leave her daughters-in-law behind because she didn't maybe want the baggage or she was, you know, had no use to them. She even said, like, I, I can't produce any more sons for you. So she pr- asked them to go back. That was her plan. Orpah does decide to leave, but Ruth, God had different plans for Ruth. Ruth said, I'm going to stay with you until you die. Your God is going to be my God. Your people will be my people. So she goes back. She's in a safe place with the community. The women are asking, who are you? And she's bitter, right? She's vulnerable enough to be, to say, you know, change my name to uh, Mara, which means bitter, because God has dealt bitterly with me. And in chapter two, we see that, you know, a redeemer shows up, Boaz, a rich, wealthy businessman. And by providence, Ruth decides to go into his field. She didn't know it was his field. She was going to start gleaning for barley, to, for the family to survive. And they happen to meet. Boaz prays for her because of all that she's done for the family of Naomi and how she served God's people. They have lunch together. Um, Boaz blesses Ruth again by, he, prayed, he prays for her and then blesses her, brings her home, gives her, here's an ephah of grain, which is two weeks wages worth of grain. And gleaning is the kind of the social security that they had in those days, right? They didn't have, you you couldn't just fall back on the government. Your job was to work. And God told the people the edges of the field are not to be harvested. You let the poor, they can come and they can have dignity and work hard and survive. However, Boaz, he tells his workmen, he goes beyond what the law requires and says, you can glean among the sheep, so anywhere where the harvesters are. And they, he told the harvesters, leave bundles. So, right, if, if you, you leave the whole bundle, she has to pick up the bundles and pluck the heads off the grain. Made it much easier for her. So a ton of grace there from Boaz. Basically, they considered her as like one of the other harvesters, the workers there. And he also said, be with the women of the community. They will keep you safe. You won't be assaulted. So a community, a place of where she can be safe. And she was allowed to stay. And so she stayed, 
several months through the season. Um, even though they only had one meal together, she was just waiting on God's timing. However, Naomi didn't see it that way. I think Naomi was afraid of missing an opportunity with Boaz, who she knew was one that Boaz was one of the redeemers. So she gave some questionable, sinful advice. She wants her daughter to rest. I think she wanted to rest long term. They want to continually depend on the kindness of strangers. So she tells Ruth, go to the threshing floor because they're winnowing barley. And at the end of the season, they'd go to a high place. They had a big floor. They would have animals crush the grain. They'd throw it up in the air. The wind would blow the chaff away and the valuable grain would, would be left. And this is a time of celebration. It's time of fun. It's a time of feasting. This is the end of the season. It's like uh, when I was in California, they had a strawberry festival, right? And you had parades and it was a lot of fun because like this time you get the strawberries, right? So this is what it was in the time of the, of the barley season. So what he tells, uh, what she tells Ruth is, I know he's going to be there. Boaz is going to be there. Tells Ruth to dress nice, wear makeup, perfume, good clothes, put your cloak on. And I think this is, and she says to wait till the celebration is over. Boaz sleeps on the grain to protect it, because this is not just Boaz and his, his workers. It's many workers harvesting in Bethlehem. So he's sleeping on the grain to protect it, make sure his investment's not being taken. And then she tells Ruth, lie down at his feet. I think this is bad advice because it sounds sneaky, right? It's hidden, waiting, right? Wait till everyone's asleep until it's dark. And this is a, this is a tempting situation. You dress up this, this way and you lie down at his feet and see what happens. That seems like a recipe for disaster, right? So Ruth does this, baby believer, baby Christian, doesn't know any better. And Boaz is surprised. And he even knows Ruth because it's so dark. And then Ruth calls Boaz, you're a redeemer. And basically asks Boaz, can you marry me? Right, spread your wings over your servant, which is kind of the, has the innuendo of covering and protection like a mother hen. Right, and the corner of her garment can also have marital tones. However, because Boaz is a godly guy, he does not take advantage of this situation. Instead, he prays for her. He's it, he shows gratitude that she's interested in him and that he said he's interested. And Boaz even calls Ruth, even in this situation, a worthy woman, the same word that was used for Boaz. So she's like a Proverbs 31 woman to Boaz. And she says, yes, I need to, I agree to marry you. I want to marry you. But I wanna, I'm not going to do it through seduction. I'm going to do it God's way. And he needed to check there's another redeemer that was closer in family kin. So even though Nomi's plan was to uh, like seduce Boaz, force marriage, God uses for their good because they did the honorable way. And then last week we talked about God working through providence, right? Boaz just happened to meet that other redeemer the next day, even though he was probably late in the morning giving Ruth that grain. It was, it was God's timing. And that we also needed to trust God that he's working everything according to his plan, and God also works through our work because God, Boaz uses business savvy to negotiate with the other redeemer 
and says, you have this great deal, however, you have to take these two women. And then he, the other redeemer decides to back out. And that job, and we, so we talked about jobs being a sacred place and working for the kingdom. And your job is as sacred place as this place here, right? Your jobs are a place where you can honor God and bring people to the kingdom and share Jesus and using your gifts for the kingdom, both inside and outside the church. So let's read the passage. This is Ruth 4, starting in verse 11. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make this the woman who is coming into your house, like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be known in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. And this is a really appropriate passage. If you know anything about me, I'll tell you a little bit of my story. We had a very similar situation, right? Ruth, they, these elders and the people pray that they would have a family. And I also wanted to have a family. And we, my wife and I had prayed for 10 years to have a child, and we didn't uh, initially. We went through all the medical tests, went through all the fertility treatments, did IUI and hormone therapy, which is extremely painful. And it, it was just a very difficult time, these cycles of hope and despair over and over and over again. And after 10 years, God had, even though it was, it was horrible, and at the very end, we went to a specialist in Boston, Brigham and Women's, and they said, you have unexplained infertility, you will never be able to have kids. And then three weeks later, we conceived and had our baby. Um, so this is a, this is a very appropriate passage to me and these people have great prayer. So my first point is we need to bless and pray for others, right? Like I said, last week, Boaz legally declared to buy the land and take Ruth to have a baby. And then that baby would belong to. Uh, Elimelech and Malon and that family, not Boaz's family. Because that's part of the Redeemer's job is to make sure the widow has property and their descendants. So and the elders affirm it. They say, this is official. We heard you. This, these were like kind of the legal, um, the courts of that day at the city gate. And then they give this triple blessing both first to Ruth, then to Boaz, and then to the family. And the first thing is that uh, they say that they bless Ruth, saying that she would be like Rachel and Leah. And this goes back to the time of Abraham. God's the first person that he called, and God promised Abraham, I will make your people like the sands of the seashore. Yet they were barren, and God gave them one, one son from Sarah, Isaac, and then Isaac had one son, Jacob. And then from Jacob, so he's like, how is one son and one son going to be sands of the seashore? Well, through with Jacob, Jacob married Rachel and then Leah. And then these two women had the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 sons. And these became the 12 tribes. 
So this is a powerful blessing because this is a small town community, as you know, they probably knew about Ruth's situation with her husband who had passed after 10 years. So they, they likely knew, but they had great faith that this would happen. They had great faith that, that she would be have many kids or kids of great value because these 12 sons formed the nation of Israel. And the second blessing is that Boaz would be a worthy man, right? It's the same word that was used before. Boaz is a worthy man, right? And that he'd be renowned. So, and sorry, worthy can mean strength, power, wealth, influence, valiance, depending on his contact. So all those things that like continue to be worthy, Boaz, and that he would be famous, right, in Bethlehem, be called upon as a great person of renown for Boaz. And then the third blessing is for the family. This is from the house of Perez. Perez was the first uh, leader who kind of founded the town of Bethlehem. So all their descendants. And it's, it's this really crazy story. I believe it's in Genesis 38. I'm not going to explain the whole story, but basically um, Judah, one of the first, first of the 12 tribes, he had a son who's married, Tamar, and Tamar's husband died because he was wicked. And the second husband also didn't perform the duties to raise up a child for the son, also died. God killed him. And then his father did not give him any more brothers. So basically, um, Tamar dresses up as somebody else, sleeps with her father-in-law, and then they ended up having these descendants that were the town of Bethlehem. So even though this is a really sordid, so if you want to read the whole situation, you can read in Genesis 38. But basically, God used kind of this really messed up story of this family to make the descendants of Israel, descendants of Bethlehem, rather. So what does this mean for us today, this threefold blessing? So I think we need to bless others like these elders did, right? This is one of the big themes, blessing, Boaz blessing, Naomi blessing, right? Naomi and Boaz both blessed Ruth, and now these elders are blessing all of them. Yet sometimes we don't want this. We want good for ourselves. I want my, I want to be blessed, right? I want my life to be good. I don't always like it deep down when others be, you know, get blessed and I'm not being blessed in a way that I think I should be, right? I become jealous, right? Yet the elders, I think one of the big reasons they bless them is because they knew they're the part of the same clan, the same tribe. It's like, you're one of us. And the New Testament says something very similar as us as believers, that we are a family, Right, that we are the people of God. We are like like a family, and he even use another analogy. We're like a body, so we're different parts of the same body. And I care for my whole body, right? I love myself. I know that I do, and I take care of my whole body as best as I can. So I think if we see that we are not, we don't, we're not competing with each other for God's blessing. We can all be blessed by God, and we should rejoice when others are being blessed by God, and we should bless others. And if God fulfills that blessing or we pray for them, we should be happy, right? But sometimes we're not. So when you're blessing people and you're praying for them, you have to do some things, okay? First, you need to know who they are. How do you know what people's needs are if you don't know them, if you don't ask them, 
right? You can't ask people these questions if you don't know who they are. It, many people, we just kind of walk around and we're anonymous with one another. At church, you know, you guys are bringing each other, talking, talking before, talking after, that's great. Then that can be a great time to start a, a, more, a deeper conversation with somebody about what are they struggling with? What do they need? What can I pray for you? And then we need to pray for them and, and pray for real, not just like the little the emoji on WhatsApp, but spend time in our evenings praying for people and that their needs would be answered. And if God answers them, we should rejoice with them, celebrate, right? With, with my wife and I, when we were struggling for these years, you know, my life group, they prayed for us weekly, even though it took a long time and most of the people in my life group ended up leaving Kuwait before we had, to, had, had our first son. They still prayed for us and they loved us and they walked through it with us. And that was powerful. And this is what happened with Ruth. So that's one thing I see. Another thing I see is that in all these blessings, they all have something in common. They're all about legacy, right? They're all about the future. They're not really about the here and the now, right? They don't bless her to have a great marriage, have a lot of fun, travel to many places together. No, it's like the future, be blessed that your kids and their kids would have honor and, and glory and, and renown and fame. Right, I want right now, I want to be blessed right now with my life, I want things to be good. And that's that's okay. So we're gonna ask that. We want and we want to make sure our marriage is happy now, our kids are caught up in school during the week, that we're performing well in our job. And sometimes we do that, and that's good. Sometimes we don't think about the future, right? We need to have a long view of our lives. Right? Ruth's blessing, build the family. Right? Have a son. Boaz is be renowned in the future that people later after you died would call you as a great person in Bethlehem. Right? The family would be like Judah and Tamar. They'd build up the nation, build up the town of Bethlehem. Right? So I want to, we want to be thinking about our future, the last day, or what's on our tombstone, right? We don't have to think about that, right? Do, do, are people going to say about me after I die that I love my wife, that I love my kids, that I love elder, others, or that I selfish, that I was selfish and had a lot of fun and didn't really share with many other people, right? Boaz could have slept with Ruth and had a great time, but he chose to have a better legacy in the future by doing the right thing. Right? If you think about it, we're oriented towards right now, right? Think about how much money you spend if you're married on your, your wedding day, the first day of your, of, your, of your married life, right? We spend thousands and thousands of KD, and we bring people from all over the world for the first day, right? But how, much, how many of us think about the last day of our marriage, right? How do you want that last day to be? That day is the most important day. That's, the, that's when one of the spouses dies, right? That you cared for those 50 or 40 years. And of course, I'm not saying you shouldn't spend money on, on a wedding day, but we need thinking, what's the last day of my marriage going to look like? What's the last day of my life going to look like? Is that going to be faithful? Faithful to my wife, faithful to God? 
and legacy in Kuwait, right? We're here, we're, we're all somewhat temporary. And it's, Kuwait is not just about making money. And I've said this many times. And yes, you can make money, that's fine. Right, but what are you gonna leave behind here besides a big paycheck, right? Besides a big indemnity? What kind of impact do you wanna have spiritually on this place when you leave? Because we're all gonna leave eventually, right? You can't retire in Kuwait. So you, I want us to think, I wanna think about what kind of impact am I gonna make when I leave this country? What kind of impact do I make for, for Jesus, for the kingdom? for the people in my spheres of influence. So we need to bless and pray for others and pray especially and think about having a good legacy. Let's keep going in 4.13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. So my second point, my first point was bless each other. My second point is that God blesses us right? God blesses us. So after these, these, the elders bless their wedding and buying of the land, they get married. And there's hope for, for Ruth gets fulfilled. The love story coma, she gets to be with Boaz. Boaz is happily married to Ruth because they both wanted to be with each other. And God blesses that. So that's the, the, the culmination of the love story. But the story is not over because she conceives, right? Barren for 10 years with Malon. This is a miracle. This is God intervening. When you talk about God's two hands, one of providence and one of miracle, this is God's, God gave her conception, right? Which is a miracle. Which is a miracle. And I can understand what this feels like because it feels like it's a time of great uh, joy, right? It's this exciting time, right? She probably wanted this her whole life. Right? She probably had to let this hope die with her husband who died. She thought probably even if I marry Boaz, we're probably not going to have kids together because it just never worked out. And she came into this land a foreigner, right? An outsider. She was poor. But now, at the end of the story, she's fulfilled. Her hopes fulfilled. She's a wife, and now she's a mother. And then God blesses Naomi. The woman prays Yahweh, prays the Lord, right? Because this baby is going to be also a redeemer for her. A redeemer for Naomi. Right, because Ruth gets Boaz as her redeemer, as her husband. But Naomi gets the baby. So you get love and hope. So they, they pray for the baby's renown. These, these women back in the town, 
pray for the baby's renown in Israel, saying he should be have a greater renown than Boaz, the dad, right? Boaz be renowned in Bethlehem. The baby be renowned in all of Israel, right? He'd be a person of love and justice. And that this baby would be a nourisher for Naomi. Now, I don't fully understand this because I'm not a grandparent, but I know what my mom and my mother-in-law look at when they look at my children, right? There's a special bond, a special connection, this special love, right? Because Naomi lost her husband and her sons. She was destitute, but now she has a grandson in her life. Right, and, and the, the women say, you know, this is going to give you, you're going to pour your life into this baby, and this baby is going to give you meaning, right? So the person, Mara, who was bitter, has now become pleasant with this baby. Like any investment, you know, as you, if you invest into the world, into, into stocks or into gold or something, as you spend time learning about it and putting money into it, you care about it more. And I think children are very much like that, especially as a grandmother. She's going to pour her life into this baby, and it's going to be a virtuous cycle. She's going to love and care, and as she cares, that love is going to grow and grow and grow. So she gets this special joy, this special redeemer in her life. And I think God wants to bless us. Now, when I say blessing, I don't mean that God's going to give us uh, jets and gold coins and everything that we want. Not all the blessing of God is physical. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But there's many blessings in our lives that we already have, right? The, the Bible says a wife is a blessing. The Bible says your kids are a blessing. The Bible says work is a blessing. That friendship is a blessing. So we all have, we've all been blessed in certain ways by God. And sometimes that blessing comes after a time of suffering, right? Think about Ruth and Naomi and their family. If, if Elimelech and Malon and Kilian had not died and all that they suffered, this story would not exist. They just probably kept living in Moab. They would have not met Boaz. They have been comfortable with their current situation, and this blessing could not happen. So maybe that's you. Maybe you feel like you're suffering, you're, you're struggling, right? Um, maybe you don't have a family, or you're not happy with your family. Your family is a struggle. Or maybe your work is, is miserable and not enjoyable anymore. And you're thinking, why am I here? But I know that God is working for good in your life, in my life. When I was struggling, going through those, that time of infertility, it was a time of questions. It was a time of tears. It was a time of much pain. And I asked God at the time, like, where are you? God is not answering. People in my church, my church prayed for me. Many people prayed for me. And it's like, well, is God not listening? Where are you, God? I mean, Jesus was teaching me something, breaking trust, because I can tend to trust in this life, in this world, in doctors and people who are professional. 
but I think I was breaking that and he had to kind of break me down and make me go through that to realize, no, God's the one who blesses us, right? Not people, not myself. And I, even after we, we, we got the pregnancy test, I didn't believe for a long time. And probably not until after the first trimester. So I was like, I don't know what God's doing, but he's, I thought he said no, like maybe this baby's going to die in the womb. I was very hesitant, took a long time for me to actually believe, probably not until the baby came out. I was like fully, okay, yes, we're having a baby, he's here, right? So I think that God teaches us through pain sometimes. He wants to teach us certain things like this world and all that it offers is a lie. It is not true. It promise, it promises a lot, right? It overpromises, but it definitely underdelivers. And only God satis satisfies us, right? He takes away our guilt and our shame. The world cannot do that. It can try to pretend that we don't have guilt and shame, but that's not true, right? Only God can give us eternal life. Only God can give us satisfaction. You know, we have a God-shaped hole in our heart that only God can fill. And God knows our needs, what we want and what we need. And that's okay. We can have wants and needs. That's not bad. That's good. That's normal. That's human. And if God does not fulfill that, maybe he has, wants to teach you something. Maybe he wants to grow something in you. Maybe he wants something better for you than what you're asking for. Maybe he wants to take away some bad thing that's hurting you, some addiction, some sin issue that you cannot shake. Maybe God wants to take that from you so that you can grow. But I know that God does want to bless us. So in conclusion, we need to remember to bless others and pray for them and want their good. And Gabriel, come up, come back up. Especially if there are believers, because they are as much a family and maybe more than our real families, than our biological families. The family of God can be a, a greater family. And, and to me, in, in my experience here in Kuwait, they have been in many ways, my, my church family. We also not, need to not be thinking about just having a good time, but creating a good legacy. We want to be thinking about the future impact we are making in Kuwait with our own lives, not just building Chris's kingdom, our personal kingdom. And we need to trust God that he loves us and wants to bless us. And we'll even allow suffering in our lives to bring us to a place of dependence and joy in him, not this world which is passing away. Let's pray. God, I thank you for my family, my friends part of my body here, that you would bless them, that you would be with them, that you would show yourself to them, that you'd be real this week to them, that they would see you in the word, they would see you in the world that they're in, that God, that you would speak to them, even in an audible voice, God, that you would show yourself to them. Show, they, show them that, they, that, they, that you love them so much, that you care about them, that you want their good, that you want them to know you. And I pray that you bless them, all of the needs that they have, some they have shared, some they have not shared. 
God, that you would bless them and you'd meet their needs. And you bless them beyond their needs and even their wants, God. And help them to trust you as they're waiting and to, and to love you and to know that you have their good in mind. Even if you withhold something, even if you say no or later. Show your blessing to them, Jesus. We ask for us in your great name. Amen.